the whole point of this series, Make and Model, about discipleship is making disciples as we model Jesus. That, that, that is the point of this series. And we said last week that hearing the voice of God was extremely important for a disciple. When I was in rebellion for, for, for a lot of years, and when I first came back to God at age 17, hearing the voice of God was so, so important to me because of, of overcoming the things that I still needed to walk out my healing from all the years of abuse and stuff like that. But the reality of the situation was that I always heard the voice of God. I never had a problem hearing the voice of God. Even in my years of rebellion, the voice of God got louder and louder to me and drove me crazy because I was trying to, to, to block out the voice of God uh, in my rebellion, but his voice got so loud that I really couldn't block it out. So I really never had a problem listening or hearing the voice of God. What I had a problem was obeying. That was my issue. And so as we learn more about what it means to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and we want to recognize his voice. Remember, Jesus said, the sheep hear my voice, right? I know them, and they follow me. So recognizing the voice of the shepherd, the voice of our master, the, the, the one who loves us dearly is, is crucial to how we walk through this life. True? Right? We agree? So far we're in agreement that we can stop right there. We can all go home because that's all we need to know. But we're going to pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for loving us, uh, coming and being with us, uh, promising to never leave us or forsake us, especially on this journey of becoming a disciple. We are so, so amazed of your generosity, of your love and your mercy and your kindness, all that we need to to be more like you, how you shape our hearts, our, our minds and our spirits and our character. So we thank you for that. What we ask now is that you would open up our hearts and our minds and our spirits to receive your word so that we might walk in this word, that we might live in this word, abide in it, and carry this word wherever you send us. And we're going to ask this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. It is a challenge to hear his voice in such a conflicting world. There are a lot of different voices out there vying for our attention and vying to, to uh, actually overtake our own voice. So to be able to be disciplined enough to be intimate enough to hear God's voice in such a way that we can't help but obey it because what? We know Him. So when we approach discipleship this way, if we approach discipleship as Jesus just giving us a set of instructions and then a job to do, how long is that going to last for us? Not very long. But if we approach this whole thing about discipleship as God teaching us, instructing us, imparting into us because he wants us to partner with him in order to go into all the world to make disciples. Remember that word meant make disciples as we go. Well, that changes the whole outlook of that. One is informational. The other is relational. One is about duty, and the other one's about devotion. 
It's how we approach hearing God's voice. See, God said this to me one time, and I think I mentioned this before, but it bears repeating. God said this to me one time. He said, you know, Jay, I don't need any more people working for me. I need people working with me. See, uh, he did not send everybody into the world to make employees. Right? That's not what he's sending us into the world for, to make employees. He's sending us into the world to make disciples. Followers of Jesus Christ who are impacted by his voice in such a way they can't help but obey. See, it's about devotion, not duty. Yes, there is, there is uh, an attitude of duty and, and obligation because of everything that he's done for us. You know, and so out of gratefulness, though, it, we, we want to be disciples. We want to follow in his way. We want to be obedient because we know him and we love him. See, discipleship is really about love. And we want to understand his voice and know his voice because sometimes Jesus says some very difficult things about being a disciple. Very, very difficult things. The very fact that Jesus walks up to a group of basically strangers and says, come, follow me. And these, these people hearing Jesus maybe for the very first time drop everything immediately and follow him. That wasn't a nice suggestion by Jesus. That was a commandment Jesus gave them that day. So imagine, put yourself in your, this, your, their place this morning. That you're at work, you're at school, you're at your house. Jesus comes by your, your place of deployment. He comes knocking at your door and he says, hello, come follow me. And that's what he did to these men. He shows up unexpectedly, unannounced, probably unknown. They might have heard rumors of who Jesus was at this time, but they might have. But the fact is, he just walks up and says, come follow me. That word, come follow, that phrase, come follow me, means step behind me, get behind me. And the attitude is, you're going to not get, you're not just behind me following me, you're behind me following my heart, my purposes, my plans, my designs, and you no longer have yours. That's the role of a disciple. They walk in the way of the master now. They don't walk in their own way anymore. Come get behind me. Come follow me. And if you're not listening to that voice, what happens? You can either miss that or you can miss the meaning of that. It's a commandment, but it's an invitation. See, it's a commandment with an invitation. It's important to hear his voice. Because here's a, here's a, here's a, in a, a huge revelation that came to me. And maybe this is not a revelation to you, but it was huge for me when I was getting into this whole series and studying. Everybody in the world is a disciple. Everyone is. It just depends who they're following. And everyone is following somebody. And they're on a path that's going to affect them for all eternity. I'm just going to let that sink in for a minute. 
Think about that. Everyone on this planet is a disciple of someone. Maybe themselves, but they're a disciple of someone. And the path that they're following, the master that they're following, will decide where they end up for all eternity. That rocked my world. I don't know if it's rocking yours this morning, but it rocked mine, and it's still rocking mine. Kind of makes this whole Great Commission thing seem kind of out of our skill set, right? Kind of out of our ability, our talents, maybe even our heart capacity. Because it is. It is beyond us. This is why we need God. That's why he said he was going to come with us. Remember? Go for and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God does not send us on mission alone. He comes. We we come behind him and go on mission with him. With me so far? When Jesus asked you to follow him, what did he ask you to drop? You remember? Can you go back to your memory banks and that day that you really accepted Christ as your as your Messiah and Savior. Can you remember what Jesus asked you to drop immediately? Think about that. In some cases, he might still be asking for you to drop it. Ourselves. That's the biggest. Yeah. 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 And many personal things, the things that we were caught in, like the nets that the disciples were holding on to, their livelihood, the way they made provision for them and their families. Jesus was asking them a great deal. I don't think we realize what Jesus, what, what Jesus asked them sometimes. This, was the, this is how they fed their families. This is how they lived their lives. It was probably a family thing that was handed down from father to son. This was huge. He was saying, the thing that you formerly did, I no longer want you to do. I'm going to make you fishers of men now. Discipleship is a heavy thing. It's a wonderful thing. This is the greatest calling that we can go on. This is the greatest mission that can ever happen to us as, as, as sons and daughters of the Most High God. But we have to realize the intensity of this call. It's important to think about it and to pray about it. That discipleship isn't for the faint-hearted. If you've walked with Jesus any time, for any length of time, you know that it's not for the faint-hearted to follow Christ. Jesus lays down some really tough requirements to be a disciple. So how do we get behind everything that Jesus is saying? This is why we need to recognize his voice. This is why we need to know his voice. This is why we got to obey his voice. Because sometimes, what happens when Jesus says something really harsh in his word? Will we get behind it? 
Will we believe what it says? And then will we apply it to our lives? Again, discipleship is not for the faint-hearted. Jesus, is going to, Jesus throughout his word, asks some difficult things for discipleship to happen in our lives. Now, they're wonderful because they transform our hearts. They set free our hearts. They make us walk in power and freedom. And, but man, we're about to read something. Go, go to the book of Luke. Luke 14. Ready for a very hard saying? Now, what I'm about to read is not hard because Jesus is hard, but because sometimes our heart is. Okay? Chapter 14, verse 25. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned around and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers, and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Okay, he's not finished. He goes on. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost whether he has had enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and he is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying that this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king goes out to encounter another king in war would not sit down first and deliberate whether or not he is able with 10,000 to meet who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the others, other is still yet way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Everybody happy? (laughs) Three times in this very small passage, Jesus says something about He cannot be my disciple. Can I tell you what Jesus is not saying in this verse? verse? Because sometimes Jesus will ask something from us and not be very polite about it. Okay, so I'm going to read this. This is what Jesus is not saying. Jesus is not teaching a new commandment to hate. Okay? He's not not teaching a new commandment to hate. Okay? He's not saying that only single men can be disciples. And he's not trying to redefine what a family looks like. Okay? He's not doing any of that. In the Jewish culture... Exaggeration is used to make a point. It's used out throughout all Scripture. Jesus does it all the time. 
Listen to Matthew 19.24. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The Jewish culture, people, that was a joke. People would have laughed at that because it would have seemed funny to them. The Jewish culture uses a lot of exaggeration in order to make a point, to, to, to teach an emotional truth to the situation. Let's read another one. King David did this all the time. Psalm 27.4 One thing I have asked of the Lord and that I will seek after that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. How many of you have read the Psalms? Does David ask just one thing and throughout the Psalms? David asks a lot of things throughout the Psalms. But he's making a point. He said, you know, this one thing is the really thing that I really require, I really want, I desire. I want to worship you all the days of my life. He's making an exaggeration. And the Jewish culture would have understood this. I use exaggeration all the time. Just ask my wife, okay? I will say things like, there's a million pillows on the bed. Why do we need so many pillows on the bed? Now, if there was indeed a million pillows on the bed, we would not be able to get into the bedroom. And that would be sad. So, exaggeration is used, even by our culture, to make a point. Maybe not a very good one in this case, but I mean, it is used to make a point. And this is what Jesus is doing here. He's, here's the scenario of what's happened. Crowds are following him. He's at, he, this is bef- before any really hassles are given to him. People are loving him. People are just following him around because he's like a TV reality show to them. I mean, in a sense, they don't know what TV is, but things are happening. He's healing people. He's doing miracles. And people are just intrigued by this and fascinated by this. And plus, every once in a while, there's a free meal. Every once would they get a free meal? Why wouldn't you follow Jesus? There's nothing required. Jesus is now going to correct this. It says, okay, all you crowds, you, you want to follow me? This is what it looks like. God is first and you're not. This is what he's saying. That word hate there really means to have less regard for. Okay? Have less regard. He is really just saying, you know, you shall have no other gods before me. It's really what he's saying here. What he's also saying is that, look, guys, the life of a disciple is going to be very difficult. And if you don't adopt this mindset that God is first, and having God is first, loving God first, helps you love your family, helps you love other people. If you don't adopt this lifestyle, when things get tough, you're going to bail on me. And we know that's what happened. But it's also a warning to us. Matthew 19, 17, 19 says this. And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your mother and father, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is not talking about hating people. 
All throughout Scripture, he reaffirms the love of family and others. What he's saying is, we have to love God first. And when we love God first, we understand the role of a disciple better. That makes sense? That makes sense? I know it's, but it's hard sometimes to think that Jesus would ask something so difficult as this, but he's not asking us to hate anybody. He's just asking us to love God first. This is why we, not, we need to know and recognize his voice. Because if we read that without the Holy Spirit teaching us what that means, we think God is a cruel tyrant that wants us to hate our family. And that's not what God is saying here. This is not what Jesus is teaching. He's saying, man, he's saying, you've got to count the cost of following me because it's going to cost you, and sometimes dearly. It's just, it's going to. And I don't want, I don't want to surprise you with this. I'm, 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 just, I'm trying to tell you what this is going to do. It's going to be great if you follow me. But it's also going to be hard at times. Difficult at times. I actually think this is very kind of Jesus. I really do. I know it's not usually read that way. It's like Jesus is just, all right, I'm, I'm, I don't want these, I'm thinning the herd. I don't want certain people to follow me because they'll bail on me. And it's that, but I really think it's the kindness of God saying, hey, this is what it's really like. I can't soften the blow for you here. My, My gift of salvation is free, but following me is not. I think that's extremely kind of Jesus here. And I can do that because I hear his voice. See, He's a good shepherd. A good shepherd takes care of his sheep while he's leading them. You drive cattle, you lead sheep. The beauty of all this that Jesus was showing the disciples and us that it is possible to be a human being and a disciple at the same time. That's extremely Extremely possible. But we do need to take this seriously. This is really overwhelming me just getting into this. I've followed Jesus for over 50 years now. You'd think I would know what a disciple is. Just going through this stuff is really, really challenging me on so many levels. And I'm so, so, so grateful. Because the beauty of the process of discipleship with Jesus Christ is that it's about relationship. It's always about relationship with God. And I know we, we, we repeat that often through almost every sermon that gets taught up here by all of us. It's about relationship. Because it doesn't work any other way. <laughs> because then it becomes a duty thing. And it becomes a pharmaceutical type of thing. It becomes just a religious type of thing. And it changes nothing. And God's interest about discipleship first is to change us. It's the only way that we can make disciples by modeling Jesus. By a a relationship with Him that is life-giving. If I hear my Father's voice first before I hear any other voice, it's a lot easier to make decisions. 
if I hear the, the voice of my master leading me instead of the other voices that are trying to get my attention, I'm going to make wiser decisions. I'm just going to. And that is the beauty of the discipleship process that as we make disciples, we're still being discipled by the Holy Spirit. Discipleship is not about hate, but the love of God. When we place Him first, we can love others compassionately. We can love ourselves correctly. That is the foundation of discipleship. Galatians 2.20 says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I absolutely love that. 